Rock Talk, the podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Charlie Guile. Charlie, how you doing? I'm doing really well. I tried to cop some of those sweet, sweet rock shoes, Under Armour shoes the other day. Couldn't get it done, so I'm a little bummed about that. But other than that, I'm doing okay. What's going on? I'm doing well. As you know, Charlie, I am headed alongside Rachel uh, to Mexico in just a few short weeks. I'm looking so forward to doing nothing but planting my little butt <laughs> on a warm, warm, crusty beach. I'm just going to sit there, butt in the crust, oh and just gosh. hang out. Uh, well, if they win the World Cup, that would be equally crazy if you're down there during uh, the World Cup festivities. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that. It'll be my own personal siesta. Well, hey, anytime you go on vacation, you got to take along a few rock movies. What are your desert island rock movies that we've covered so far? You get three. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Desert island rock movies. You know I'm going to bring Fast Five because that movie already feels so tropical. (laughs) I need something to like fit the vibe of where I'm at. And then I'm also probably going to bring... Uh, the original Jumanji, because I can't get enough of it. Um, and then let's see, probably, probably, uh, you know, my my old favorite, uh, you know, for when I want to feel emotional, when I want to feel that paternal instinct, the game plan. Oh, my gosh. I would agree with you on Fast Five. I think I'd also take the rundown and maybe Fast Six as well. So Fast Five, Fast Six, Fast Six and the rundown. Not necessarily because they're my top three favorites, but I got to throw the rundown in there just because if I'm stuck on a desert island, I could I feel like I could get some tips from that movie. <laughs> I could learn That's to, true. to also, karate chop some trees in half or something. Yeah, and at the very least, you'd have Christopher Walken's sweet voice to hum you to sleep every <laughs> night. Um, but in terms of movies you want to take to a desert island, the one we're covering today might very well make that list because we are going to review 2006's Crank. Uh, but before that, of course, let's take a look at our rock news of the week. Mazel! That's fantastic news! And I mentioned it at the top of the show. The Rock released a bunch of new uh, fitness wear through Under Armour. Uh, Jordan, what did you think about this collection? I thought some of it I would never, ever wear, but I actually kind of like those shoes, even though I'm not a power lifter. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I, I like the way almost all of it looks. I just don't like the way I imagine it looking on my gangly little bod. <laughs> I don't know who sleeveless hoodies are for, but I don't think they're for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no joke. What What purpose does a sleeveless hoodie serve? I don't know. But one of my big issues... With this, uh, with the design of these clothes, a lot of them feature the Brahma bull, which, as we both know, no longer exists. Yeah, the bull is dead. Every single one of these uh, shirts and and sweats and stuff should feature that lifelike demon skull that he has now. (laughs) That would be too scary. Um, But one of the things that he also released alongside uh, the clothes, the workout clothes, is a pair of 
workout headphones. And Jordan, would you ever wear over-ear headphones to work out? Nope. I don't and think here, I would either, yeah. it's. I mean, the thing is, the amount of sweat that is just already accumulated on on, <laughs> on this person when I work out is unfathomable. And to put an additional item of clothing on my head while this is happening, I just all I can think of is like the slipperiness and just just plastic wetness on my skull. I don't like it. Well, maybe you'll get to try them soon enough because I'm actually going to put in a request to Under Armour to get some samples uh, so that we could test them out. Maybe that'll be a future mini episode. But uh, yeah, GQ kind of made fun of the headphones saying that, you know, this just proves that The Rock can sell you anything, even the most pointless workout headphones you've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, Also true. Yeah, but it all sold out. So obviously there's a market out there for it. So... You know, maybe we aren't the people that would buy these anyway. The second piece of news that we got today is The Rock announced the release date for Jumanji 2. We knew it was coming down the pipeline, but we actually have a release date. It's Christmas of 2019. Jordan, could you be any more excited? I'm freaking pumped. I love (laughs) Jumanji 1. Like I said, it's my desert island rock movie. I am thrilled at the opportunity to get a second one in that bunch. Um, But I gotta say... Gotta say, look, as as fantastic as Seven Bucks Productions has been with these last few movies, and I know we're both excited for Skyscraper coming out um, in just a couple weeks, I don't know what a sequel to their Jumanji remake would look like. And it has me a little little shaky, a little nervous. Yeah, and he, he already said that Kevin Hart's going to be in it. So I, I assume that we're going to get these same video game characters, but will they be possessing you know, the personalities of a new group of high schoolers. I feel like that would be too much of a repeat. Are we going to see the same crew that we saw in the first, the same high schoolers? Is it maybe like a college thing? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm anxious about it. I'm not thrilled with, I don't know. I feel like they did it so well. Why do they need to go back to it? Just keep making new new movies just give me like red sky and jungle cruise give me that you mean red stuff. notice what is it red notice, red notice. yeah what? red sky yeah you know yeah that's the sequel know, to vanilla sky uh <laughs> but uh yeah I, i'm afraid what they're gonna do though is bring these video game characters into the real world and do like a fish out of water type scenario i don't think that that would be the best choice for them one of the greatest things about jumanji is seeing all of these actors play against type you know, we saw The Rock play Spencer Gilpin, you know, this nerdy Jewish, you know, high school senior. And uh, I don't know. That was the kind of stuff that I really enjoyed. So I don't, I'm don't. i not really all that concerned with Smolder Bravestone. Right. I don't care about the video game personalities. What was so cool was seeing, like, the weird dichotomy with the video game personality with the real life one. You lose all of that if suddenly you got just these video game avatars, like, transported to Manhattan or whatever. I don't know. I'm excited to have another movie to go see come not this Christmas, but the next. Yeah. Um, So excited nonetheless. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, that's all the news that we have for this week. Which means, of course, it's time for us to dig into Crank uh, and Daddy has to get going to work. Daddy's got to go to work. As we continue our fast family summer vacation, we are taking a look at Jason Statham's Crank. This action thriller came out in 2006, directed and written by the duo of Mark Neveldine and Brian Taylor. 
Uh, this is a duo we are so excited to get a chance to review a movie of. Um, they also did Gamer, which we're going to be taking a look at later this summer. But they, as we will soon detail, are the they are the they possess the most banana minds of anything <laughs> of anyone on this planet. Yeah, um, their whole approach to movie making seems like why not? Why don't we try? You know, <laughs> right. oh, if Biling. Uh, if we can't understand her accented English, let's go ahead and give her subtitles anyway. Oh, does she want to rewrite all of her dialogue? Sure. And that sort of approach trickles down to even the smallest parts of this movie. And the fact that we get to talk about a Neville Dean and Taylor movie on Rock Talk, I'm glad we were able to somehow work it in because this is <laughs> fantastic. Um, I hadn't seen this movie until after I saw the Fast and Furious movies. So I was... The, the Fast and Furious movie is really my um, introduction into Jason Statham's character or Jason Statham's sort of aura of action star, how he approaches it differently. You know, The Rock is all brute force and the Vin Diesel is similar, whereas Statham in his movies is just highly skilled and aerobic. Yeah, there's there's a movement to Statham that you don't really get out of a big old Dwayne Johnson, a big old Vin Diesel. Like Statham is this like like cobra kind of just slithering around all over the place, <laughs> just real quick, real electric and real funny as we're going to talk about um, with a budget of 12 million bucks, crank made little over 28 million around the world. So it did make some money. Um, although this was a modest budget to begin with, um, but let's dig into it because there is so much movie to talk about. So to begin with, here's just a quick plot summary to give you an idea of what crank is about. Jason Statham is Chev Chelios. He's poisoned by a crime syndicate and only has an hour to live, unless he can keep adrenaline coursing through his body while he searches for an antidote. All the while, his heart continues to drop to near-fatal levels. At the same time, he attempts to exact revenge on the members of this rival syndicate who poisoned him. So, Charlie, we basically have this uh, kind of a tale of revenge is sort of from the onset you know, Jason Statham has been poisoned with a cocktail that will slow his heart to fatal levels unless he can reverse it somehow with an antidote. And to stave off, you know, dying in the meantime, he has to keep doing like adrenaline filled stunts the <laughs> entire time. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, this movie is unstoppable from moment one, you know that you are in a completely different movie than you have ever seen in your life. This movie fluctuates from being, you know, heart-pounding adrenaline to disgusting to I can't believe I just saw that to gross to back to just being like super uh, compelling. And uh, I, I've never seen anything like this movie. No, not at all. I mean, and that starts even from the literal first scene in this movie when it's first person, we are in the shoes of Chev Chelios as he wakes up and discovers he's been poisoned. Like this movie in so many ways that we'll get into feels like a video game. And they established that in the first 10 seconds. Like, yep, like you are going to be along for the ride. You buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the We get a quick, you know, opening credits sequence and it's 8-bit. And I think that pretty much sets the tone of everything here is going to be a heightened reality. Not unlike, I think this is the closest we've ever gotten to like a Grand Theft Auto movie. Um, yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. So uh, pretty much if you've played those games, you kind of know what you're in store for. 
but I, I do have a little bit of a beef with you of describing this movie as a revenge plot because I think that this is a love story. The reason he was poisoned was because he was looking to get out of the assassin game to be with his girlfriend. So that's sort of the jumping off point here. And he everything he does, he does for Eve. That's right. He, he does do, I guess, I guess his motivation, you know, to, even before the movie kicks off is to be with Eve, uh, who is played by Amy Smart. Um, don't know how they got her to sign up for this role, by the way. Um, <laughs> but she absolutely crushes what little she's given to do. But Charlie, there is, I mean, this movie is the most insane thing I think I've ever seen. I don't even know is the easiest way to go through it to kind of go from like set piece to set piece because there's no real like to to try and just go through the plot doesn't do this movie justice. I feel like we need to talk about each of the ways he, he's trying to keep himself alive, you know, keep that adrenaline going. Yeah, because uh, there to, yeah, there's a lot of different ways that he does that. So, yeah, I think that that's probably the best way because you already covered most of the plot. That's basically all you need to know. This movie happens in almost real time. It's pretty much just one set piece after another. So let's start with, you know, Chev finds out, right? He's in his apartment. Like I said, we're in first person. He discovers that this rival gang syndicate has poisoned him and that his heart will drop below, you know, an acceptable level in an hour if he doesn't keep his heart beating. So immediately... I mean, within seconds of this movie starting, we get Chev Chelios heading to a strip club where he believes the owners of the strip club, which is this, there's sort of this black gang at the strip club. He feels like they are involved somehow. And Charlie, like, I mean, not five minutes into this movie, we get Chev Chelios snorting cocaine off of the bathroom floor of this <laughs> strip club. Um, like, so this movie starts, like it starts at a 10 and it, it keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is, like I said, unstoppable. I mean, Chev Chelios, yeah, he, he does the cocaine to keep his heart going. This movie does an interesting thing where like everything starts slowing down every time Chev feels his heartbeat slowing. So he's got to do, he knows he has to look around and, and improvise something to make his heart keep going. So the first time, yeah, it's, it's cocaine, but very soon after he decides that he's going to beat up an entire gang, not because he de- doesn't like them, but because he needs the adrenaline. Yeah. And and to and this is another, you know, this is that Neville and Taylor like touch. We get this quick shot like Chev is is inside the strip club fighting the entire gang. And we then get a quick shot of the outside of the strip club. It's literally pulsating, you know, like a beating <laughs> heart, like, like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Like yeah. It's, it's crazy. I've never seen this in a movie. Anything like it. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things about this movie is because it had such a low budget, the directors had to do creative things to have the same kind of effect that maybe a big budget movie with CGI would. And I think they're better off for it. It does so much more interesting things. I mean, if this movie had a $100 million budget, I don't think we would be talking about it today, you know, 12 years after the movie was made. But because they had such a low budget, they you know they ended up buying consumer grade uh, digital cameras that they felt were disposable. So they they destroyed so many cameras because they would put it in cars that they would crash. Um, they had one of their camera operators on rollerblades, just you know chasing after Statham with a video camera. At one point, Statham is carrying a video camera uh, and then hands it off to another person who then starts shooting him more. I mean, it's insane this movie does a lot of very interesting things 
I mean, that's the coolest stuff. If this is like the world before GoPro, um, and they really had to be creative. It's just so much fun. The next set piece here, Charlie, is probably, again, sort of, again, like highlighting sort of the weird surrealist humor. We get Chev in a taxi uh, speeding away from from the strip club, and he again realizes that he is going to be in a, a critical moment if he doesn't get his heart up. So what does he do? He asks the taxi driver to, you know, blast the, the, <laughs> the volume on the radio and and um what it's like a achy breaky heart achy breaky heart yeah yeah but he's got to get <laughs> himself so like loud. <laughs> yeah pumped up so he's in the back of this taxi like head banging to achy breaky heart like banging his head against the back of the seat anything to get his heart rate up to uh, uh you know a survivable level and i think the music in this movie is insane because we start off like this weird you know mid-2000s screamo crap that goes to you know achy breaky heart and the the music in this movie really just sort of like is all over the place but that's kind of perfect for this movie yeah it's it's like a a mashup watching this whole thing felt like a music video to me but as if the music just fluctuated to random it's like if you put a scan on in your car and just sort of let the radio just switch to whatever <laughs> it's going to be yeah that's sort of what this felt like to me but at full volume the entire time uh-huh one of my um, favorite moments in the movie is later on after he's escaped the hospital and he's driving a motorcycle but for some reason he decides to stand up on this motorcycle <laughs> right and it's like almost it's almost very peaceful because they cut to that song from midnight cowboy and this brief moment of tranquility is immediately shattered when he wrecks the motorcycle and he does like about five flips into a patio <laughs> and that's what this this movie doesn't give you a real moment to ever feel comfortable every time you think maybe he's gonna like get the cure find enough epinephrine or whatever it rips the the rug out right from under you but there is one person throughout the movie that maintains some semblance of peace uh, every time they cut to him. And that's Chev's doctor. Oh, my who gosh. Around like this point in the movie, Chev finally calls his doctor and gets a hold of him and is like, hey, this is like what's going on. What do I need to get to survive? And Charlie, this doctor, uh, I don't know about you. I was getting the craziest vibes from this dude. <laughs> he's played by Dwight Yoakam. But, yeah, he's so nonchalant about the whole thing. Uh, he's like Chev's like black market doctor. The first time we see him, he's like, he's somewhere else in California, but he's not in Los Angeles. And he's getting like a massage from topless Asian girls. And like, that's sort of <laughs> like, that sets a baseline for like kind of how sleazy yet laid back this dude is. But yeah, he's so nonchalant every time he talks to Chev. It's always like, oh, hey, I'm surprised you're still alive. Well, you know, you can do this or do that. And he actually gives us the next big plot point. He says, you know, Chev, the one thing that you need is uh, epinephrine, you know, an artificial adrenaline. So he's like, go to a, go to a hospital and get some. And that's what leads Chev to the to the hospital. And now this, first of all, and then and Charlie coming from you were saying this even reminded you like you had watched Fast and Furious before you saw crank so i have to say seeing jason statham in a hospital was giving me like some crazy fast and furious vibes from like that first sequence when we see him uh and he's like caused all this carnage in a hospital yeah um that might as well have picked up right after the events of crank because the terror that chev chelios inflicts on this hospital 
and the poor people that work there uh, <laughs> just trying to get this epinephrine is astounding. Well, okay, I will draw a couple of distinctions. In Fast 7, when we get that amazing one-take shot at the beginning of the movie, we see that like all the nurses and doctors are cowering in fear and because he's like blown up half the hospital, essentially. Uh, but in this movie, everyone is going about their business while Jason <laughs> Statham is holding a gun to Dennis from Always Sunny's head demanding epinephrine so they're like running down the hallway with a gurney and a you know a guy uh on a gurney and the other doctors like they don't seem to care at all no no one no one flinches it is so strange it's like chev and and dennis from always saying glenn howerton are in like this their own little like bubble um and uh and Glenn Howard is just is playing it so beautifully. I love the amount of of panic that he displays. It's almost like as if any of us were in this role. Like no yes. one in this movie acts normally except Dennis is us in this moment. That's so true. He's the only one concerned. He's like at one point he's just like he's like, "Oh my god, you have a gun." Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how anyone would respond, but for some reason in the universe of this world, it's all so you know, oh, well, whatever we got, you know, this guy might have a gun, but we're going to continue going about our day. It's so weird. And so he ultimately gets the epinephrine from Dennis. It does lead we do this one uh, awesome stunt, which is kind of a trope I've seen a few times, but I love it. Chev kind of realizes that even with this epinephrine, he still needs something in the immediate uh, to keep his heart going. So he takes those, I can't remember the name, but those like electricity paddles and puts them up against his chest and has Dennis. Yeah, the like, defibrillator. The def- Nice. Great pull. Yeah, Great I don't know where that came from, but yeah. <laughs> Um, and then Chev, when he gets the electric shock, he flies like 30 feet back <laughs> into an elevator. Which I just love the idea that you could get a shock and be propelled and be like launched a bullet. across a room, right? Yeah, that's crazy. And then we have a weird sequence where he gives uh, he gives himself the epinephrine, but he accidentally gives himself like five times too much, more than the doctor uh, said. So after he's escaped the hospital, he's running down the street. He's still in a hospital <laughs> gown. We get a lot of Jason Statham butt so in this movie. So much butt. <laughs> so much butt. But they play wow. it so well. I mean, I love that thing in movies where they, you know, pretty much anytime you get somebody in a hospital gown walking away from a camera, you have to get their butt hanging out. Like that <laughs> is a requirement. Um, but he, and I think we should play this clip because I think it's, it's so great. Uh, it's Chev running down the street. He's on his phone with the doctor. He's taking too much epinephrine. And uh, these are the same. Chevy. Yep. Hey, we're in the air, man. Did you get the stuff I told you to get? Got it. Did you take it? Took it. You took the whole goddamn thing, didn't you? Yep. I said a fifth of a syringe. That shit's gonna kill you. Right. Your chest on fire? Check. But you're cold. Check. And you got a steel hard on, don't you? Let me check. Check. Yeah, well, that, that's the stimulation of your blood vessels. Your urinary sphincter's as tight as a knot right now. You couldn't piss to save your life. Urinary sphincter, check. Maybe you can get some biking. You still at that hospital? Negative. Could you get some grass? I don't know. Check. That shit will be out of your system in 30 minutes, but doesn't kill you first. This flight film's cost me a fortune. We'll be in L.A. in 20 minutes. I'll call you when we land. Copy. Hey, Chevy. You're a good dude. Been nice knowing you. Copy. Out. It's a medical emergency. So, Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I just love this little back and forth. Uh, you know, once again, everyone's just so nonchalant about the whole thing. But, yeah, Chev is running down the street. 
and he realizes that he's he's done way too much. Uh, but this is just like Dwight Yoakam again. Uh, he's on the plane and he's most concerned with how much the the phone call is going to cost, rather than right. <laughs> you know Chev in his uh, impending doom. <laughs> no perspective. Um, this also this this phone call is so great and it leads us into just such a a minor but hilarious visual gag where Chev is you know in his hospital gown and he's he passes by and I this is again sort of like an outdated thing but he passes by like an electronic store and there's like ten TVs in the window of the store and they're all playing the news and there's a crowd gathered outside looking at the news and it's you know saying like who there's this insane person running through um Los Angeles and we get like a like a, a courtside sketch basically of of Jeff Chelios and the <laughs> face that they've drawn the, the face it's that they so chose to good. use like what who drew that like it is the most unhinged insane <laughs> image <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh my gosh, he's got like this wicked like smile on his face a little bit. Basically, it looks like a cartoon. Whoever the LAPD is using for their, you know, suspect sketches uh, deserves some kind of metal. It, it's almost like, you remember that um, viral video from a long time ago with with the leprechaun? The leprechaun, <laughs> yes. Oh my God, yes. It's not far exactly off from it. that. Oh God, I love it. But what we finally get, we finally get to after all of this action... We finally get to see uh, Chev Chelios interact with his girlfriend, Eve, um, again, played by Amy Smart. He finally gets a hold of her on the phone. Um, he's been calling her several times throughout this movie. We find out she's just been sleeping in again. Just, <laughs> I just love I love that because he finally he's been calling Eve the whole, whole movie up until this point, And she finally answers the phone right before he gets there. You know, she's like, oh, I've been sleeping. And he's like, oh, you've been sleeping in. That's great, Eve. That's great. And he's like, so once again, <laughs> so nonchalant about the whole thing. None of this phases anybody. It's crazy. What a strange but amazing choice that was made. Because it really, this movie is so surreal. <laughs> like, I love it. It all feels like a dream almost. We get to Eve's apartment, though. Uh, and it is apparent, and I don't, this is, I think, you know, there's a lot of kind of weird offensive stuff in this movie, but I don't get why they chose to make her character so, like, brain dead. Yeah, um, I, I like, don't know. Like, she can't figure out how to put, like, a microwave timer on. Uh, like, it's really, like, kind of baffling. I don't know what it is, but she's so ditzy. Yeah, she's a little spacey, but I, I guess part of it is she just doesn't believe Chev, because to this point, she thinks that he is a video game developer. <laughs> I don't know what video game developer looks like Jason Statham, but whatever. Uh, so he's explaining to her the situation, and she thinks that he's just like messing with him. At one point, she goes, are you on drugs? <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> right. yeah, kind of. He's been poisoned, and he has like five times the amount of epinephrine that should be going through his body. So yeah, he's acting a little weird. <laughs> But after that, we finally get this, This it's one of the most incredible sequences in the movie, and that's when Jason Statham, Chef Chelios, and Eve are leaving Eve's apartment. Uh, Charlie, this, oh, I know we've talked about this a little bit offline. This is such a fun scene. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. But essentially, Jason Statham keeps having to distract Eve while he takes care of these would-be assassins that are trying to kill her. And the different ways he does that, I think, is really great. You know, he accidentally spills the stuff out of her purse. You know, he dispatches with the guy, throws him in a pool. Um, <laughs> but it's also like, it, like it, it just 
continues to draw a stark contrast between his style of action movie versus like The Rock, which is if this were The Rock, The Rock would let him like let Eve know, you know. But oh, Jason sure. Statham the Rock is so stealthy about it. Dwayne Johnson like lives in his movies for the world to know he's the one doing it. <laughs> like there it's an all eyes on me, I'm saving the day mentality. Jason Statham is just sort of like coasting by it, it, like things are just happening. It's like it's almost as if he just happens to be highly skilled to deal with the events that are happening to him. Yeah, but once again it just shows, you know, Eve being a little spacey. I don't know. I think her and Jason Statham have amazing chemistry in this movie, but she could use a little bit of rewriting on her character. And that's perhaps the most clear in this next set piece because they head over to Chinatown. Um, And this, I have to say, this movie, it's full of kind of, you know, off-color moments. This is, is like, actually sort of uncomfortable. But it's it's still fun in a weird way. Um, But it's uncomfortable. I mean, essentially, right, he, Chev, again, his heartbeat is dropping. And so the only thing he can think that will help him in that moment is to immediately have sex with Eve. (laughs) In public, in, like outdoors in this like market area and so that's exactly what happens you know chev chelios like makes eye contact with asian girls in a school bus it's real weird but it's played off as just like this crazy surreal moment um but i would say that this is the most shocking thing in this movie in this movie that is basically made up of shocking sequences yeah in a movie meant to kind of freak you out this one this one kind of takes the cake um, he, I like that he just, he screams at the end of it. I'm alive. <laughs> I'm alive. Yeah, that's great. I do like that a lot. And it is a shame though, because that is probably the most exciting moment we get until the end. Uh, we do get this sort of brief foray into a, there's like a warehouse, like this shirt factory that Chev and Eve go to. We find out, you know, we haven't even talked about the fact Chev has this like best friend, body man type guy who is played Charlie you said this isn't this um Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite yeah it's Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite and he's playing a very stereotypically gay man who just also happens to be Chev Chelios is like man on the ground which is crazy we actually get a glimpse into his life at the beginning of the movie Chev's like you know what were you doing last night and then we get like a flashback of like <laughs> club to club to club dancing 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 he's like not a lot <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> all right we're going with this but in a movie that is you know i i would say that this movie has racist or racial racially insensitive moments but i guess the one thing you can say about it is it hits everyone for the most part and this movie is super multicultural I, i'm pretty sure the first time we see an american white person is like dwight yoakam as the doctor like 20 minutes into the movie yeah, I mean it's it is as equal opportunity insensitive as it gets. Um and also yeah, we don't get like there's no white Americans for for the long long time and even after the doctor, that's really it. Glenn you know, Howerton we get, and yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, moment of Glenn Howerton I guess is Amy Smart. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. American she's but again like this movie is really diverse even though it kind of hits everyone in this uncomfortable way. It is uh it is diverse. Um, but at this warehouse, we find out that that Pedro, because um, I don't know the name of his character, uh, is dead, been killed by this syndicate. We kind of find out that 
Chev has been like double crossed by multiple syndicates. Um, and basically he's forced to run at this moment. Yeah. One, one of the um, things that happens in this movie that we can also tie back to the rock is Jason Statham gets shot in the butt and is completely fine. Like the next scene later, it's not unlike in rampage where the rock gets shot in the chest and is fine for the rest of the 45 minutes of the movie. That's right. Chev in this escape gets plugged right in the butt and it's not a subtle moment. He goes down in an elevator and is like straight up bleeding, but yeah, they they, didn't, they never talk about that again. No, and one and one reason for that is they actually shot an additional scene that would have taken place right after that, where Chev, you know, Chev and um and Eve are in a in a car, and they're driving to kind of like the last location in the movie, and Chev looks down and realizes that his leg is bleeding out so much that it's like turning gray and it's dying. Something probably really gross. And he goes to a hardware store, and to restore the feeling in his legs, he starts hammering nails into the. Nope. nope. It's only available in the Japanese nope. cut of this movie, so I'm Forget glad we didn't get that. <laughs> in a million years, that would have I would have needed to turn this movie off. I can't <laughs> deal with that. You saying that has made me highly uncomfortable. I don't. I don't like it in a movie that all it does is is make you uncomfortable. That would have been too much for me. Um, yeah, so Japan, you can keep that. And the only reason they didn't keep it in there was not because it was too graphic, because they didn't think the effect of him, you know, hammering the nails was uh, realistic enough. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I hate that. This kind of, that does sort of remind me, though, you got to give Jason Statham for doing all of the stunt work in this movie. You know, we talk about, like, The Rock does a lot of his stunts, and a lot of times he also has his identical... His eyes like nearly identical cousin do do stunt work in his films, but this is all Statham all the time, and you can see it. You know, even in moments where, you know, sometimes it looks like they could kind of fudge it, throw someone in there. It's always him, yeah, which is insane. Yeah, it's crazy. One of the um, I, I was listening to an interview with uh, Brian Taylor, one of the directors in this movie, and they try to get their stars to do as many of the stunts as possible by like almost peer pressure. They, you know, they said in this interview like. Uh, you know, how'd you get Statham to do the the stunts in this movie? He's like, well, I, I told him that I would do it. <laughs> like, that's all it took. <laughs> He's like, well, if I, I mean, I would do it if I were you. He's like, oh, okay, well, then I'll risk my life. And on a, a low-budgeted movie, you would have to think that the safety um, standards are a little bit uh, lower as well. I love it. These guys, Neville Dean and Taylor seem like the coolest guys. I love any kind of directing directing your main star by like basically peer pressure at that point <laughs> with Jason Statham. Um, but, but the thing with Jason Statham is I feel like this is a guy who'd be game for just about anything. Like his career has taken him to do so many weird action movies that this is a guy that I feel is just like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah whatever you want. Pretty let's, much. Let's, let's do it. But one thing he didn't uh, seem game for was he didn't think he was funny enough to be in this movie. Um, and so they just told him, no, 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 don't worry about that. Just read everything straight and let the situations be funny. But it turns out he's hysterical. Yeah, he crushes every single sequence. He's one of the best parts of Fast and Furious. This is someone who has definitely like blossomed into his own. Um, but this movie, he does a great job of being basically in every single scene, which is just amazing to, to carry the movie. And a lot of times it's just him in yeah. a room playing off of you know, needing to get his heart back. So it's not as if he's always with other people. He's for the most part playing, it's playing solo 
which yeah, is unbelievable he can carry a movie. He can definitely carry a movie. And it's weird that he's sort of blossomed into leading man level so late in his career. Like I, I saw Jurassic World last night and one of the previews before was The Meg, the movie about oh, I forgot the, about the Meg. movie with Jason Statham. I'm so excited for it. Jeez, I forgot that was coming out. I'm pretty sure we've <laughs> talked about that on this show. Yeah, because the I trailer is wait. insane. It like takes Jaws and is like, oh, let's triple the size of Jaws and then also kind of make this a Deep Blue Sea remake. Yeah, it's like, you like Jaws? Well, <laughs> here you go. Yeah. We'll give you all the Jaws you could want. <laughs> um, but let's get back. We got Crank here. We have our final sequence. You know, they make this getaway from the basically like this shirt factory warehouse. And there is this sort of final showdown on the rooftop of this building between Chev and the gang who poisoned him and the other gang who sort of double crossed him um, from the start. What it and reminds it me like- of a lot is an anchorman where you have the different news teams fighting oh, each other yes where it's like oh we came here for a fight oh who's this group oh who's this group and they just keep coming that's pretty i'm pretty sure that you know one of them was inspired by the other i don't know which one came out first. <laughs> yeah when they pop it's like weekend news team like that's basically what happens here at the end um especially because when it looks like jeff jellios is gonna have to fight both these gangs by himself what appears to be the entire crime syndicate from asia shows up just shows up on the roof. I don't know how they got there or where they were hiding, but there's <laughs> like dozens of gang members suddenly behind them shooting guns. Should we talk um, a little bit about how the elevator ride up to the rooftop? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, okay. So this is where Chev Chelios is starting to like hallucinate. And there is um, an Asian man standing across from him in the <laughs> elevator who sometimes like talks he, in Chev's voice other times. It's oh, what's the the one of the black bikers from the beginning of the movie? He talks in his voice, and then at one point he said something in Chinese, and Chev looked down at the subtitles and read them, like it was crazy. Yeah. Th- this this is so it was mind blowing. It like it broke the fourth wall in this weird broke, like, like the tenth wall. <laughs> It was so weird. He, he, to be aware of the subtitles, like it was the trippiest thing. This movie is bonkers. It's freaking bonkers. It's so insane. Now, I don't understand fully why the Asian syndicate shows up to help Chev. No, he, um, I, we get a quick flashback at some point where he sort of, I guess, helped them out. So they're sort of like repaying a favor. And they've been watching him the whole movie. Is that what's implied? I guess it's it's hardly important because this scene is really just a vehicle to get us to the final shot of the movie, which is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a film. It is by far the coolest ending shot I've ever seen in a movie. Um, but essentially, Chev finds himself on a helicopter with the fleeing leader of the rival syndicate. They fight, and as they're fighting, they fall out of the helicopter. Uh, and, I mean, it lasts for, like, three or four minutes, but it is at both times beautiful, haunting, like, freaky. I, I don't know. Perfect way to end this movie, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's really great. Um, so he's fall- after he fell from this helicopter and he's plummeting to his death, he has the, the wherewithal to dig his phone out of his pocket and call Eve and leave her a voicemail, you know, like, 
because of, of course, course she it didn't goes answer. to voicemail. <laughs> right, right. Of course, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's falling to his death, and uh, and he, you know, just leaves like a heartfelt message of like, you know, this is it for me. I hope you can move on. I always loved you. And then he, you know, hits the pavement, and it's implied that he died, but then you get a very quick blink. So you know that kind of sets up the sequel. Uh, speaking of sequel, I, I love the fact of how they tie that scene into the sequel. I know we're not talking about it today, but um, you know when he reunites with Eve in the sequel, she goes, "Oh, why didn't you ever call me?" And he goes, well, "I did." And then it cuts to her answering machine, and it's just a bunch of <laughs> wind noise. <laughs> it's just straight wind. <laughs> <laughs> so like this the only really big heartfelt moment in this movie is completely negated in the second movie. <laughs> it's again it's so smart, it's so different. Uh it's so funny. And god, you know the way the way he's falling at the end here, it's like they've like blue screened him into this this weird free fall sequence and the graphics are not good, you know, they don't yeah. they don't have the money for it. What it reminded so- me of is actually in Southland Tales when the ice cream truck is starting to levitate. Oh my end, gosh, it that looked is perfect. similar to that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly that same level of like just really poor CGI, but but it, it works is better artful. Yeah, yeah, here it makes sense, like with the whole tone of it. I don't know, beautiful way to end it. And Charlie, isn't there? I think you had you had mentioned something to me before that this this scene actually like is what inspired the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, the directors uh, came up with this scene and then they worked backwards from that uh, to write this entire movie. That is too cool to me. And I, I, mean, I don't know it how makes you a lot get, of sense. you know, public sex in Chinatown from this, <laughs> but, you know, those are just some twisted minds that were able to come up with this. Yeah, these guys are messed up in the best way. So, Charlie, as we wrap up our talk on Crank, your final thoughts. What will this? What does this movie say to you? Um, did you enjoy it? Would you recommend it? What do you think about Crank? Yeah, recommending it is kind of tough. I, I would say that everybody needs to see this movie because it's an experience. I don't think everyone would like this movie necessarily because there are a lot of shocking moments, and you know it, that can be hard to get past for some people. But it is so unique, and like I said, it's like it doesn't ever let you catch your breath. From minute one to the end of the movie, it is like one thing after another after another. It's really well done, I think, for the budget that they had. Jason Statham is amazing in it. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend seeing it. You know, I'm not going to put a judgment value on it and say that everybody's going to love it, though. Right. I agree with that. It's I don't know if this is a universally appealing movie, but I think it's the closest thing that like this nonstop like action thriller genre has to like a pure art house movie. So I think it's really interesting and it's almost like, you know, if you enjoy film and the creative process, then you should see Crank because this movie is so unlike anything I think that, you know, I know that I've ever watched and I'm sure a lot of people have ever watched. Um, so I, you know, if you enjoy these types of movies, you'll like Crank. If you don't necessarily I think it's still worth seeing just to experience. Like you said, let this movie, let Crank wash over you. Um, you're probably going to need to take a, like a shower afterwards, <laughs> uh, eat some ice cream, anything to clear your mind. But but really, cream, huh? it's, it's yeah, you know, you know what, just a shower and ice cream, you know, you know how it goes. <laughs> 
one so, thing I, I, I yeah. want to want to talk about, and maybe we can sort of apply this test to the rest of the Fast Family Vacation movies. But if you were going to substitute one of the characters in this movie with Dwayne Johnson, who would you substitute him with? Would you do you know Statham? I don't I don't think so. What do you think, Jordan? I don't necessarily think that Dwayne Johnson could have made this movie as fun as Jason Statham. I think where he could have been pretty fun is as the doctor. I don't want to lose Dwight Yoakam, but I would love the idea of Dwayne Johnson. Like, I think it would be just as surreal to have like a a dinosaur sized Dwayne Johnson with like glasses being the doctor, being like the calm (laughs) voice of reason the entire time in this movie. Yeah, Uh, that, that could be good for me. I think I would want him to be in the Pedro spot. Mm, yes. Just to get wow. those dance sequences. <laughs> it would be like his character from Be Cool. From Be Cool, exactly. Well, I, I am still after seeing that entire music video from that movie uh, of him <laughs> in like the cowboy outfit. So maybe they could you know insert that into this movie and it would be perfect. Uh, but I think that's about the only place I could put Dwayne Johnson in here. But this isn't really a movie that Dwayne Johnson could make. No, I don't think it plays to his strengths. The, I don't even know. We've seen movies like this from Dwayne Johnson. Uh, this sort of is sort of like rundown esque. It's sort of like rampage esque in that he's just sort of moving from set piece to set piece. Jason Statham seems vulnerable in a weird way. Like the like Fallible. Dwayne Johnson rarely seems like like danger could like happen to him. Yeah. Uh, but Statham doesn't have that quality, and it's more effective because of it. Yeah, he's more of an everyman. I think a lot of that just comes down to his, you know, his body type. He's a normal-looking human being. You know, he's buff and all that, but like he's normal size. Whereas Dwayne Johnson looks like a, you know, uh, looks like a linebacker. So yeah, yeah, you're never gonna get an an everyman role from Dwayne Johnson. But uh, you know, I don't think I'd want to see that from him. But uh, overall, really enjoyed this movie. And yeah, if we're gonna put Dwayne Johnson in it all, you know, make him Pedro. In two weeks, we will be continuing our Fast Family Summer Vacation movie series, but we are taking a break from the Fast Family and going to a Dwayne Johnson movie because on July 13th, we are getting the release of Skyscraper. Uh, We will be at that premiere. You bet your butts uh, we will be there to see this movie and break it down for you. So that's again in a couple of weeks. And if you're going, let us know. Send us send us your game day attire. What are you wearing to Skyscraper? What are you dressing up as? I want to know. I'm dressing um, up as the I, building. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie's going to be the building. I'm going to be the amputeed leg. Um, <laughs> the prosthetic <laughs> really? leg. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, again, can't wait. That's in two weeks. Um, until then, if you haven't yet, you should be. Uh, follow us on our social media. I don't know how you've been listening to this podcast. If you haven't even thrown us a little itty-bitty like on Facebook or Twitter, you can find us at facebook.com at facebook slash rocktalkpod. We're also at rocktalkpod on Twitter, and we're also at rocktalkpod on Instagram. And if you haven't yet, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I say it every week, not going to stop. I've heard your complaints, (laughs) and I don't care. Uh, it's the number one thing that you can do to help jabronis like us. Uh, yeah, tune in in two weeks as we take a look at the movie Skyscraper. We'll see you then, jabronis. Can you smell what they're cooking? 